Damn, I wish we had a studio. Magic, we couldn't even be in, we couldn't even be in no studio. Oh shit, we Oh, bless your quarantine. We couldn't be in it anyway. Well, damn. <laughs> well, what a great time to be an independent podcaster. What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus for and by queer women of color. I am Money, the Tacoma-bound baddie. Ooh, I can't wait to hear more about why you're the Tacoma-bound baddie. I like how she Tacoma say that. Tacoma-bound for- bae. I like how she say that for y'all as if she doesn't know. But I'll explain. Yeah. You going to explain it now? No. I'm going to let you do no, your we'll little do funky it intro. Now. Okay. It's my intro is far from funky. So, for those who've forgotten who I am, because it's been a minute. <laughs> this might be an introduction to you for some people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, my name is Nikita. The, I guess, uh, sometimes <laughs> co-host when I'm not on the rig of uh, Queer Rock the Podcast. And this week, whew, I am a struggling short. So, I, I've i worked all of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, like, 7-12, 6 I've been going nonstop since February. Mm-hmm. And... You know, Montanique right now and other people in my life are like the quarantine pros. And it's like, I've been doing it. I've been like sheltering in place for what? A week? Less than a week. And I'm already like, wow, this is hard. I'm not good at it. Um, I give up. So (laughs) (laughs) I call Montanique no less than like six times a day. Yeah. uh, With mild uh, breakdowns and crises. So, and Montanique regularly reminds me that I'm a short person. So, <laughs> this is why I'm a struggling short. I can't believe that you all have been doing this for like 70, um, 80, 90 days. Yeah. I mean, it's the right thing to do and it's important, yeah. but oh my God. And it's like, I'm a curmudgeon. Like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm, I'm a person who spends a lot of time alone. I don't mind spending time alone. But the thing I've realized is that so much a part of my, like, being in the world alone is like, I like to just go out and be places. And I'm like, you can't go. Yeah. You like to like, good do reason. things. You like to do things by yourself. Like go to dinner by out. yourself. Yeah. Go yeah. to the bookstore and you can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, whew. yeah. A bitch has been struggling. I guess the transition into, um, quarantining was easier for me because everybody was doing it when I was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, you're transitioning into quarantine and by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm here to hold you down. That's absolutely why. This she is the perfect like- time <laughs> to drop the motherfucking intro. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type of darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. 
I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. You love. All right, Nikita, I know it's been a while, but do you want to uh, remind folks where they can find us? Yes, I would love to remind them and me where you can find us. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter where our handle is at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. You can also find us where the old folks like myself hang out, Facebook, facebook.com slash QueerWalk, P-O-D. And you can also find us where this whole shebang began, which is QueerWalk.com. Yes. I got on Facebook the other day, and I don't even know how to use it anymore. I'm like, who still? Okay. Um, We're no offense <laughs> to any of it. Where can people listen to us, Nikita? Montanique, I, that is, I'm so glad that you asked me that. <laughs> they can listen to us on Pocket Cast, CastBox, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And you can also listen to us on other major platforms where you can listen to podcasts except for Spotify. Yeah. And people have asked us. I, I think we've gotten a, like a number of messages from people if we're going to be on Spotify. I'm sorry to break your hearts, but just no time soon. Just because the, the terms of service just were uh, expo- exploitative. Yeah. So, fuck them. All right. Uh, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> wow. Just so. right out there. Okay. <laughs> So, there are two ways that you can what, what, what are you doing? You're so used to doing the show by yourself that you forgot how we do this. Oh, so, my gosh. <laughs> I like to say it that Money and I, I don't like to say it, it's also just uh, an objective fact, but Money and I mm-hmm. are the co-hosts of this here program, correct? But if we were, if it was just us, it would just basically be us. I would say sitting in Money's living room, but we're not doing that. It would just be basically us. It would be one of the many times that I was calling Montanique on the phone mm-hmm. throughout the day. But because we have an audience and a community, there's a couple of ways that people can contribute to this here queer walk community. And Money is going to take it away and tell us exactly how you can do that. I wish y'all could see how animated she is. Um, she's just so excited to be back. And it's I'm really excited time. to have her back. I know. I'm really excited to have, have you back. Um, I really missed you over this quarantine. So, the two ways you can contribute to this here program. The first way is by loving us out loud. Uh, do the R's. You can rate us, review us, request a topic or a Queer Walk of the Week, repost uh, whenever we're like putting out the episode retweet when we're on them twitter streets and reply you can also use the hashtag queer woc to talk all things the podcast um and when you are talking the podcast please at us um like a a description of us is all is good and helpful for people but it's a lot easier for them to find us if you just at us or hashtag us um so please do that uh, the second way that you can contribute to Queer Walk the Podcast is by giving us your money. You can uh, do that one of two ways. The first way is a non-committal, uh, just dropping off any extra coin that you might have at Cash App. That is dollar sign Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D. The second way that you can give us your money is 
is by becoming a sustainer through Patreon. Patreon is a small monthly donation to um, support us as independent podcasters because podcasting is not cheap and also living as black queer women is not cheap. So (laughs) um, you can head on over to patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D, to become a patron. We have some suggested amounts there, but you can give as much or as minimum as your pockets desire. Oh, and you can also send us an email to uh, submit a Curved Chronicle, a Queer Walk of the Week, or just, a, you know, like a kind word to say yeah. hey to us if you have a question, if you want us to be on your podcast, if you're yeah. interested in being on our podcast, um, if you saw Nikita. Can I Nikita- just say something? If you want to be on the show, um, I'm, I'm going to try to say this as lovingly as I can. <laughs> no, you don't have to say it lovingly. No, I, I do. If you want to be on the show, you have to send us some information about who you are, what you do, and like the specific and concrete things in like concepts or like the things that, you know, whatever projects, programs, or things that you do, like you have to tell us what those are. Because, and you know, we love y'all, we appreciate, appreciate y'all, but sometimes, you know, I say this with love, but y'all be, y'all talking to us sometimes real wild it's just be like let me be on the show very reckless it's just yeah. be like let me be on the show and we'll be like okay that's great who are you what do you like what are the things that you do and it's just like and somebody we've somebody, literally been told look me. look me up google me yeah and we didn't reach out to them to be on the show they were like hey i want to be on the show we were oh like tell us more they were just like google me and i'm mm. just like you, you just you just have you know one of the things that we really try to do here on the show, um, and I, I really, you know, I think that you all understand this about us, is like we really do try to do substance on the show. So we just, we just want to tell you what, we just want to know what substance you're going to be bringing to the show. And that's it. That's, that's all yeah. we ask. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's just like a, a respect for what we do as well. Yeah. And not talking to us wild in our own space would be very appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Um, keep Just that in mind. Keep it in mind. Yeah. Before you get busting your proverbial digital mouth. <laughs> and I mean that lovingly. Nikita, are you ready to move it on along to the Queer Walk. Queer Walk. Queer Walk. Queer Walk. Of the week. We we got on it, but you gave up, goddammit. No, you stopped. <laughs> we're we're still working on like this uh synchronizing uh being distant recording, obviously. Yeah. Wow, okay. You didn't have to throw that obviously in there, but off you go, continue. Yes. I'm very excited about um this because this is the first episode of Pride. Pride, month. yes. Yes. And I'm just so excited to be doing this person as the first uh, Queer Walk of the Week for Pride. All right. Who is it? Who is it? Are you ready? I'm ready. Queer Walk of the Week this week is model, singer, actress, author, and I would uh, add on um, slapping white men on TV (laughs) as another job. Another job. Um, Multi-hyphenate. That's what it's called, right? Uh, Grace Jones. Multi, multi-hyphenate. 
you you give Negroes a PhD and then they just start talking any kind. She's been saying this to me ever since I defended Nikita. <coughs> you act like me, I can't. Much like to your dismay. Putting, no, black don't you dare. women know things. Okay. <laughs> Montanique has been talking like a thesaurus ever since she got the PhD. <laughs> That's not true. I the talked other, like a thesaurus before I had a PhD. I'm not saying you didn't, but it's like it's like one of those real thick ones. I used to the one that used to probably have a thousand pages. Because you're right, you've always talked this way. I mean, she said something the other day. She's like, you know, I'm just I feel like you've just between been a, oh. I just what? feel like you've just been assiduously combing through my <laughs> vocabulary ever since I graduated. And I would appreciate Assiduous. <laughs> I'll show you an assiduous. <laughs> anyway. It's it's not my fault that words are luxurious and I like them. You should. Ain't that what your segment's called? Okay. Wow. That the subtext um, of that was I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you're so basic, you basic no nothing ass bitch. That was that was the what was implied in that statement. I like how you keep trying to create this schism between workers and um academicians. Okay. I don't know who I have to write, is- but I'm gonna I'm gonna write somebody and be like, take her PhD away tonight. <laughs> Rescind it. Repossess it. Take it back. There is no, this is what they try to do. There is no difference between the academician and the worker, okay? <laughs> Come we, on now. Stop stop besmirching uh, Grace Jones and get on and talk about her. Pull anyway. up to the bumper, baby. Exactly. So, um, it's, that's a Pride Month classic. So, I just Holy. love this. Okay, so Grace Jones, I'm going to just tell y'all a fraction of what... Um, Mama Grace has accomplished in her life. Like, there's no way I could do her justice with... uh, We would have to do a whole episode on Grace Jones. Um, So I'm just gonna... Just know that this is the highlights, right? So, uh, born in Jamaica, in Spanish Town, Jamaica, she moved to none other than Syracuse, New York, um, when she was 13. She's an alum of Onondaga Community College. So shout out to Onondaga Community College. OCC. Yeah, OCC. <laughs> the lasers. Yes. And um, halfway through um, her career at SU, she dropped out. Smart C- congrats move. to her. Yes, very smart move. Um, to act in a play in Philly. She knew she couldn't go home after quitting college because her parents were really strict. So she moved to where else but New York City to pursue her dreams. And that was in 1975. So um, Grace quickly became an icon to the queer folks in New York City, right? So on the queer scene, everybody knew Grace. She was popping. She was known for her hyper-feminine butchness. And if you've ever seen a photo of her, that's just like the perfect description of Grace Jones. It's like super femme butch. (laughs) And um, her geometric cheekbones, they actually used to like call her cheekbones um, on the scene. And in 1977, she cut off all her hair and debuted her signature Geo high top fade to match them cheekbones. And as a, you know, as a regular high top fade wearer, I bow down to Grace. We we appreciate. Like, no one has done a sharper high top. You know, just... Let's give a, a small salute to the barber, okay? 
<laughs> wherever, yeah, wherever they may be. <laughs> exactly. We we miss you, barbers, and we love you. Um. Oh yeah. Oh my God, that's I can't have that breakdown right now about my hair. But go ahead. <laughs> While she was celebrated by the queers in New York City, she had a really hard time finding mainstream success. Um, she has like an what is now an iconic look, but like this is the um 70s and it was all like you know very much so the way it is now still it's like this cookie cutter mold and then there's these one two or handful of girls who like break that mold right yeah so she was having a a really hard time breaking the mold and was working as a go-go dancer to support herself she got tired of trying to break into modeling in New York City. Even though she was, like, signed to Wilhelmina, she wasn't really getting a lot of campaigns. So she moved to Paris. Um, <laughs> took a page out of James Baldwin's book, right? Like, I'm going to Paris where they love me. Um, <laughs> her career took off as soon as she moved. And um, after moving to Paris, she graced the covers of, um, like, a bunch of magazines, but most notably, like, Elle and Vogue. She modeled for houses like YSL, Kenzo, and served legendary looks, looks that are still being recreated on Instagram to this day, um, all throughout the 70s and 80s. Uh, her looks have been recreated. Just I'm going to just name a few. Kelly Rowland. Oh, my God. Janelle Monet, Lord have mercy. Amber Rose. Hot damn. <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o. Consider me And count, countless... Uh, Halloween costumes, models Uh. who have tried and failed, like everywhere, right? Um, Her looks, and this was in the tried and failed. (laughs) That was so (laughs) shady. (laughs) I mean, hey, uh, the truth is the truth. (laughs) Uh, she, She. she acted, stop making me laugh. She acted in a few small films in the 70s, um, but her big debut was as Zula in Conan the Destroyer, opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, in 1984. She went on to star in other films, most notably um, in a Bond movie, A View to Kill, which I haven't seen. And of course, Boomerang. Boomerang. Who could forget her in Boomerang? Oh my gosh. Uh, she also played Eveline in the stage adapta- adaptation of The Wiz. Did you know that, wow. Nikita? I, did, I was literally just about to say I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Um, I was just like reading a bunch of articles about her and I was like, what? I love The Wiz. And I also loved Eveline. You know, I don't know. I just have a, I guess I have a soft spot for The Wicked Witch. Um, but that Don't You Bring Me No Bad News? What? A bop that will never not bop. Come on, fool. Uh, So for these roles, she's been nominated for Best Supporting Actress um, in the Academy three times, right? So as if that isn't enough, I'm going to continue on Grace Jones. On top of all of that, in the early 80s, her club music broke the top 40 billboard charts in the United States and UK and in France, most notably, uh, the songs that most notably topped the charts, Slave to the Rhythm, which is a a, a, a club classic. Truly. Pull Up to My Bumper, which mm-hmm. is a disco classic. Pull Up which to is My why Bumper, I baby. Which I know. Thank you very much, Nikita. I'm surprised you didn't think that was Diana Ross that sang that. No, I knew that. Did you? Um, and Private Life. Today, 
Grace Jones has recorded 10 studio albums in three different languages, spanning genres like disco, rock, reggae, and soul. Her music has been sampled by, okay, y'all, this is so exciting to me because y'all know I love music. Um, and I, this is just off the first page of, so there's a website where you can look up like what Who's songs sample? have been sampled. Yes. Um, Grace Jones has 16 pages on oh that gosh. website. So this is just from the first page. Grace Jones music has been sampled by LL Cool J, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, Shine. You know that song? Um, um, Whoa! That is a Grace Jones sample. Is it? Yes. Yes. It's it's called um, uh, Night Clubbing. Grace Jones song. Ebei, the twins that we love. Sample the Great, Trey Songs, Nicki Minaj, A Tribe Called Quest, Carrie Hilson, Tiana Ooh. Taylor, just to name a few. Basically, what I'm oh trying to say, y'all, is Grace Jones is really omnipresent in our music that we bump truly, today. Truly. Everybody I'm, has sampled Grace, okay? We're just, um, I you want know, it. You just slip it in omnipresent again, but just, I'm just, you know, just pointing out. <laughs> Just pointing out things here, but move it along. Nikita, omnipresent is a word that people know. Um, Anyway, uh, I wanted to say this lyric from one of her songs, Living My Life, which has been uh, like sampled and looped in a lot of club songs um, because it just feels so present to the moment that we're in right now. Uh, And the lyric goes, you choke me, you kill me for living my life as hard as I can, as long as I can, as much as I can, as black as I am. Mm. So, right? And she said that in 1987. It just feels so... um, uh, She released a music video collection um, called A One Man Show. That's right. She released a visual album. In the 80s, before all of our faves released their Beyonce, (laughs) before YouTube, (laughs) before Vimeo, she released a a visual album that went on to be nominated for a Grammy Award. So shortly after, because it was called a one man show, and um, for the uh, for those of us who know and love Grace Jones, because she's so um, like androgynous and butch and femme. Uh, there were like rumors started flying that she was trans. So a lot of folks like asked Grace basically about her gender, about her queerness. And her response was always, I'm as queer as a relatively straight person can get. (laughs) 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 And I love that. That's such a great answer. (laughs) It's such a great answer because people left just as confused as they were before. Right, right. Um, Jet Magazine described her look as a question mark followed by an exclamation point. That is so accurate. Love her. Um, there's like, um, um, what do you call those? Interviews of her classmates, um, from, um, when she was in school in Syracuse. And they all talked about how she kind of lived in her own world. She always dressed like really different from everybody around her and like really wasn't influenced or swayed by what was considered popular in the time. Um, And so, yeah, that's the question mark followed by exclamation point. 
Okay, I just have a few more highlights. Like I told y'all, I could we could do a whole episode on Grace Jones. So in 2014, she headlined the British Summertime Festival. She was 66 years old headlining wow. the, the British Summertime Festival. That's the kind of life I need to be living at 66. Right? And on May 19th of this year, uh, that Grace Jones, the icon, celebrated her 72nd birthday, stating... People worry about growing old, and that's what makes them old. I don't feel a day over 65. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because um, we talk a lot off mic about how, like, some of the, like, tragedy around, like, losing black folks is that, like, black folks go so young. And so I love that she said, I don't feel a day over 65, right? Right, right. (laughs) We get to live long. Um, and in 2017, she won the Bahamas International Film Festival Lifetime Achievement Award. And in her in her like acceptance speech for it, she said, I can't be bought and people hate that. And I just reminded mm. so much of um, Shirley Chisholm's Unbought yeah. and Unbossed. Unbought and Unbossed, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so like, like I said, that's just the light. That's just the cliff note versions of the highlights of Grace Jones's life. I encourage you all to celebrate her all throughout um, this Pride Month because she's so she's just such an influence on culture broadly, but specifically Black queer culture. Yeah, and we stand and we love you, Grace. And I will put some links. And she's still here. Like I yeah, just love absolutely. that. Like give giving um, our greats their roses while they're here. While they're still um, here with us, absolutely. Yes. I will put links to uh, I'll I'll put links in the description of this episode to where you can read more about um, just how amazing Grace Jones is. Um, Syracuse, great shout Absolutely. out to Syracuse. Yeah. Um, the the best of the black queers come through Syracuse, if I must say so myself. If we <laughs> must say so ourselves, Grace Jones is one of these people that. I'm like, I can't believe we haven't done her as a queer work of the week before. I know. I know. I'm like, how can we be on like episode 86 and not have? Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I thank you so much for uh, amplifying, celebrating, and highlighting Grace Jones. We love you so much. Ooh. Do we want to move it on along to the community? community. Contribute us. Oh. Yeah. We gotta get a real way to intro community contributors. We keep saying, I think this is it. This is it. It's fine. Um, It's just gonna continue to sound like a Zatarans commercial. (laughs) Zatarans. Anyway, the community contributors. Uh, segment is just what the name implies. This is the segment. It's one. It's this is like our our shining and uh, shining joy and pride of the program right here. This is where we get to amplify and celebrate you all, right? The community. Because like I said, if y'all mm-hmm. weren't here, it would just be me on the phone harassing Montanique eighteen times a day. But you know, being phobic. Montanique, you have to stop with that <laughs> nasty, nasty lie. <laughs> It's just, it's disgusting. Okay. It's just okay. downright, it's, I, I won't stand for it. It's dis, it's disgusting. Disgusting. Okay. All right. So anyway, like I was saying before, I was so rudely maligned. The community contributor <laughs> section is a section where we 
Uh, we get to hear from you all, and we get to share your contributions to, guess what? The community. All right. So, the way all right, Nikita. a movie is a movie. Yes, we Sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right, Nikita. So, you want to shout out the new patrons? Oh, my God. Yes, I haven't done this in so long. And there's so many. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Rolling in the Skrilla. All right. So, thank you so much to C... Caitlin, Janet, Delacia, Mona, Ayula, and Tisha. Oh my Thank God. y'all so much for becoming new patrons in a pandemic. In a pandemic where, you know, a lot of folks, you know, don't have, you know, regular, steady, or the usual income. And Delacia mm-hmm. sent us a message on Patreon. It was like, uh, I've been listening to the show and following Money and Nikita on social media for some time now. And luckily for me, I got a jobby job just as a lockdown started. <laughs> so take my coins and spend them as you will. Love y'all. Thank you so much, Delacia. That really means a lot. Because like it's, I said, we know times are hard. And yeah. I'm so glad that you want to share your abundance and your bounty with us. Yes. And you also, you've been like rocking probably since like the very early episodes. So thank you so much, Delacia. Yeah, like, truly. and I love you. I follow yeah, you too. Delacia is like a, yeah, an A1 from day one at this point. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So shout out to Nat who came through on the Cash App um, you, literally like moments before we started recording and also you, told Nat. other people to hit up the Cash App. So yeah, thank you thank so you. much, Nat. Thank you, Nat, for coming through on the Cash App. Nat you can't rap. Leave the rap into Megan, okay? The way right. they move is a movie. Y'all, Nikita oh. has been obsessed with the Savage remix. Like, like i obsessed. Okay. <laughs> she she been doing that silly ass Beyonce. Okay. Every like oh, so much. It's so annoying at this point. I never want to hear hear it again. <laughs> All right. So our borders are fake shout outs. Oh my god. Oh my Our God. borders are fake shout outs are where I display how little I know about geography and also where we shout out the places that aren't usually like highlighted when we talk about like queer community um, outside of the like major metropolitan areas. Yeah. Right. So these borders are fake shout outs. Go to. I, you have to let me do this first one. You nope. have to let me do this first. I'm going to rob you of this joy. Okay. No, you know what? Go ahead. Okay. All right, y'all. So the first one is none other than Colleen, Texas. Why does this matter? These 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 were my stomping grounds. I grew up, yes. so my mom was in uh in the military, you know. Even though I'm, you know, I'm opposed to the military industrial complex, but that's what my mama did for work because many people are drafted into that kind of work yeah. because of, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm off task. So, anyway, Colleen is a small little town. Uh, it's just a really bizarre, strange town in the middle of Central Texas. So I don't know who from my hometown. I hope it's one of my uh, my old homies listening to uh, our podcast. So shout out to Colleen. Yeah. Shout out to it the, two, the top five, five actually. The top five? Yeah, I think it, I think Colleen was like um, number three since our wow. last episode. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to the two five four Central Texas. 
What? What? Okay, Nikita. Okay, let's go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just, just made me so excited. Actually, no. Shout out to Texas. Because Texas be coming through heavy in our cities. Like just in like our who? top uh, cities. Just like Queen B. Oh, my movie. God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, <it's that. laughs> Our second shout out goes to Lumberton, North Carolina. Now, don't that sound like a nice, good gay town? It just seems like it's it full does. of dykes. Lumberton. It's teeming with dykes, as you would teeming. say. Bubbling. Uh, <laughs> percolating. And last but not least, I wanted to shout out Cincinnati, Ohio, which was in our top 20. And I don't think we've ever shouted out Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati is not a small town. Okay. But, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know if you knew that, but I'm proud I to do. I do. But shout out because I don't think we've ever shouted out I Cincinnati. Think, I don't know. I don't think so. I've, yeah. I've been to Cincinnati before. I, I enjoyed myself there. Hmm. Well, what's popping, Cincinnati? Hey, Cincy. Okay, now we also have new reviews. So I realized that, so I'm not an Apple user and I realized that whatever version of iTunes I had on my laptop was like not updated. So it wasn't showing me any of the new stuff for the podcast. So I updated it and I was so surprised to see new reviews. Um, So I will read the first one. So the first review comes from Alex. And Alex writes, hey, from Houston. See, Texas in the building. Hey, I'm not, I'm not even going to sing. I'm not even going to sing the song, but let's keep going. I started listening to y'all because they always talk about your podcast on Marsha's Plate. That's because Marsha's, Marsha's Plate is the homies. Shout the homies? out to Z who just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, Mia Z. and Diamond. We love y'all uh, so much. Y'all are listening to this. Y'all should go listen to Marsha's play also. I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed every episode I've listened to of Queer Walk. I started from episode one a couple months ago, but today I skipped ahead to hear your thoughts about all the coronavirus stuff. Listening to your podcast makes me feel like I have two new dope friends in Syracuse that are woke, educated, entertaining, and really inclusive of making sure the transgender people, making sure transgender people are a part of the conversation too. Of course, always. My favorite segment is the mental moment with money. Of it's course. Okay. Be- because, okay. Uh, because <laughs> I always... <laughs> My my segment might be okay, but it's a Beyonce okay, bitch. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I always come out of it learning something completely new about myself. And I definitely appreciate the quick and easy help with managing my anxiety. Thank you for making this podcast, Alex. That is so sweet. This, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, Nikita, we have a it's podcast. Just, we do. We do. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, and I'll read the next one too. No, I'll read it. So the next one is from Rizza81, entitled Long Time Listener, First Time Reviewer. Rizza says, First, let me start off by saying congratulations to Money on receiving her PhD. Uh, Thank you. Sh- champagne confetti emojis. 
It's been such a joy listening to all of the hard work you put into it and hearing the enthusiasm you have for your field. And many thanks and many thanks to you both for the dedication you place in the topics discussed and for keeping the show going. When I listen to y'all at work, I'm amazed at how quickly an hour can go by. Side note, I wonder if I'm the one who put Cary, North Carolina on the map. <laughs> you probably did, Rizzo. You, you probably did. You probably did. You probably did. <laughs> <laughs> that is so sweet. Thank you um, yeah. so much. And as much as I rag on her for now, just hyping up her usage of fifteen dollar words, um, I'm so proud. Y'all know how much you know how proud I am of money, and I'm just so glad that y'all share, um, you know, in in y'all's love and celebration and pride in money. Because I mean, she as much as she gets on my nerves, and as you know the despite the nasty, nasty way she treats and talks about short people. Are you um, done? I forgot what the, I forgot where I was going with the compliment. Actually. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, good, good job on your little PhD girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, bitch. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, thank y'all so much. Y'all make me feel like I had a graduation, even though I didn't. Hashtag not- Zoom class of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to intro my segment or do I have to do everything around here? Can a bitch take a breath? God damn. (laughs) All right. So we're going to move it on along to my favorite segment and also Riz's favorite segment, which is the mental moment with money. And unfortunately, I do not have a jingle, but I do not have a jingle for a very good reason. As you all know, we are living in, you know, really in the midst of an uprising and a rebellion. Um, Ashe and uh, Presente to George Floyd. So I've been in these intense organizing meetings, so I have not had time to prepare um, a jingle. But that does not mean that we love uh, the mental moment with money any less. So the mental moment with money, what is it? It is the, it's the segment of the show where Dr. Martinique <laughs> regales us with some sort of tidbit, insight, or just some gem, some nugget of, of again, insight, tidbit, or wisdom on making sure that we are our, we are our most, our fullest, whole, emotional, um, social, psychological, blah, 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 selves. So without further ado, what are you going to regale us with in this week's Mental Moment with Money? Um, well, I'm actually going to share uh, a quote that I see go around a lot around this time, like whenever something is happening. Um, I'm going to share like the the diary entry from Audre Lorde that that quote comes from because this piece really gives me a lot of peace during these times and uh like Nikita said we're in the midst we're we're in the midst of a like uprising right now and like I was just y'all know I'm a like a astrological witchy bitch and I was even looking at like the star placements haven't been um, and these placements uh, since, like, uprisings after, um, like, Ro- the Rodney King beating. Oh, wow. And so, like, I just feel like this is this is a time, right, where, like, right. our cities are on fire, like, liter- literally and um, politically. And 
it was really I've, it's been really hard for me to get online because um Brianna Taylor and Nina Pop look so much like people I know. Yeah. You know like they just I just feel like they my cousins, you know? It's like even though I don't know them, I know so many black girls who are them in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, so um it's been really hard to get online. So um like Ashe and Presente to Brianna Taylor and Nina Pop. Um I love y'all. And a quote that people share a lot during these times is caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. That is a quote from none other than mother, lesbian, poet, warrior, Audre Lorde. Um, and it actually comes from her uh, Cancer Diaries. Cancer, yeah. Yeah, um, in nineteen a uh, nineteen eighty seven entry, entry. I'm telling y'all, something was happening in nineteen eighty seven, um, and also imagine writing that fire ass shit in your diary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the way it gets shared a lot, um, I feel like people use it to um check out, right? Like, yeah, I am yeah. not. I am not doing this political stuff. I am doing self-preservation and that is a uh, political warfare. Yeah. So mm. I'm going to read so I'm going to read uh excerpts of this entry. It's not the whole entry. Um I encourage y'all to read it, but you can find um this journal entry that I'm about to read online. It's like, you know, PDF'd everywhere. Um it's I think they include it in the book as like the epilogue. Um, But before I read it, I just want to say the reason why I created this as the mental moment, one is because it's something that like holds me during these times um, and like I find peace in it. But also, I think what Audrey meant by that quote is what are you doing to save your life? Um, Not like I can't do this. Politics shit. Like, I'm doing self-preservation. Like, she did not see them as separate. And mm. so I hope I hope through reading this, you get a sense of that. And um, please, nobody flag me for, like, copyright infringement for reading this. Okay. Sometimes I feel like I am living on a different star from the one I'm used to calling home. It has not been a steady progression. I had to examine in my dreams, as well as in my immune function tests, the devastating effects of overextension. Overextending myself is not stretching myself. I have to accept how difficult it is to monitor the the difference. Crucial, physically, psychically, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. I believe that one of the ways in which cancer cells ensure their own life and depress the immune system is by creating a physiologically engendered despair. Learning to fight that despair is, in all its manifestations is not only therapeutic, it is vital. Underlining what is joyful and life-affirming in my living becomes crucial. What have I had to leave behind? Old life habits, outgrown defenses put aside lest they siphon off energies to not useful purposes? One of the hardest things to accept is learning to live with uncertainty 
and neither deny it nor hide behind it. Most of all, to listen to the messages of uncertainty without allowing them to immobilize me, nor keep me from the certainties of those truths in which I believe. I turn away from any need to justify the future, to live in what has not yet been. Believing, working for what has not yet been, while living fully in the present now. This is my life. These days are not a preparation for living, some necessary but essential extraneous divergence from the main course of my living. They are my life. My most deeply held convictions and beliefs can be equally expressed in how I deal with chemotherapy as well as in how I scrutinize a poem. It's about trying to know who I am wherever I am. It is not as if I'm in the struggle over here while someplace else over there, real life is waiting for me to begin living it again. I visualize daily winning the battles going on inside my body and this is an important part of fighting for my life. In those visualizations, the cancer at times takes on the face and shape of my most implacable enemies, those I fight and resist most fiercely. Sometimes the wanton cells in my liver become Bull Connor and his police dogs completely smothered, rendered impotent in Birmingham, Alabama by a mighty avalanche of young, determined black marchers moving across him towards their future. Fireburn Mary, and for y'all who don't know, Fireburn Mary is a black woman who led um, an enslaved uprising in the Caribbean. Fireburn Mary, sweeping over the Cruzan countryside, axe and torch in her hand, um, images from a Calypso singer. The big black boot of freedom is mashing down your doorstep. I train myself for triumph by knowing it is mine no matter what. I am working to save my life in every sense. But those of us who live our battles in flesh must know ourselves as our strongest weapon in the most gallant struggle of our lives. An open-eyed assessment and appreciation of what I can and do accomplish using who I am and who I most wish myself to be, to stretch as far as I can go and relish what is satisfying rather than what is sad. Building a strong and elegant pathway towards transition. She's talking about death, y'all, transition. Death, yeah. Hmm. I work, I love, I rest, I see, and I learn, and I report. These are my givens. Not sureties, but a firm belief that whether or not living them with joy prolongs my life, it certainly enables me to pursue the objectives of that life with a deeper and more effective clarity. So that was a diary entry from R.G. Lord, 1987, August of 1987. Uh, And so because that was a diary entry... So I I think what's most important to me about um, quotes is like their embodied context. And like we, yes. Yeah. Like we can't forget that. Right. So, um, so as she talks about 
caring for herself. Um, I, I also want to point out that she talked about it physically and psychically, right? And so she's talking about like the physical body, but also um, like our emotions, our well-being in other ways. Um, yeah. I, I love the the um, flattened metaphor of like uh, struggles for survival internally as she battles cancer and externally, yes. right? Yes. Like yes. like the um, the comparing her cancer to Bull Connor in Alabama, right? Like right, um, right. Yeah, um, it's just, I don't know, that it just, uh, like, gives me goosebumps <laughs> when I read it. Um, and so because this was a, a diary entry, a journal entry of Audre Lorde, I have four journal prompts inspired by this journal entry um, for us to write about. Um, because part a part of this that I, like, took out because I didn't want to read the whole thing um, for time purposes and for copyright purposes, <laughs> was um, she said, you know, if if anything I say, um, like, empowers another Black woman to, to, like, live a little bit more or make her feel stronger, then, my, then all my suffering was worth it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think about that a lot with, like, our legacy, right? Like, we have to write ourselves into existence. Right, um, right. I'm not saying everybody got to pick up a pen and write, but like, what are you doing so that the the kids of the future can find you? Um, and so here are my four prompts for writing through this time, for um, for fighting to be alive in all fronts. So the first prompt: What is the difference between overextending yourself and growing? Just take a few minutes to write about that. That's where she starts, right? Like, I'm, I right. just, I've realized the impact. I've been doing too fucking much. There's a right, di- right, <laughs> there's right. a difference between overextending and growing. And she says overextending is not growing. The second prompt: mm. What accomplishments have you forgotten to appreciate? What is joyful in your life? Okay, my third prompt. Make a list of five things that felt satisfying this week. And um, not to make this heavy, but if Audre Lorde could journal about things that felt satisfying for her as she, like, battled breast cancer that metastasized to her liver, we can find five things that felt satisfying this week for us. Um, Yeah. Uh, it and yeah, this it just makes me think so much about a lot of things, right? Like chronic pain and how like folks are like living and surviving with that, and how hard right, it is right. to fight for your joy when you you you're in, you're experiencing chronic pain. Um, it's 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 like a challenge. So think about it and make a list of five things that felt satisfying to you this week. And then my last prompt, inspired by Audre Lorde's journal entry. What ways are you working to save your life? How might that connect you to or save someone who shares an identity with you? That is what she meant by political warfare. So you want me to run down the four prompts again? You know I do. Okay. What is the difference between overextending yourself and growing? What accomplishments have you forgotten to appreciate? Make a list of five things that felt satisfying to you this week. 
and what ways are you working to save your life? I feel like this, I mean, I feel like so many things are like activated and like animated in me around this um, mental moment for so many different reasons. Um, I, this was such a sharp and like helpful intervention into, because so much of this is about like, you know, as we said, like the rebellions and the uprisings. And I'm thinking about mm-hmm. all of this, like in terms of being an organizer, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about all of this in terms of like, like the pandemic and COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's so many like, you know, relations, uh, like connections there. And it's like, like, I feel like I'm going to ask you this on air. Cause I mean, I would ask you this cause like we're friends in real life, but it's like, I have like the rest of my week up until like Saturday is just so busy mm-hmm. and Sunday, like I really want you to like hold me accountable to doing these prompts because it's like, you know, I was being tongue in cheek, you know, but earlier, but like, I think, I mean, it was, I was kind of like, I, when I was first started to do the quarantine or the sheltering in place, I was kind of like, Oh, like I can't go to the places that I normally go. But then like when the whole avalanche of, flood and deluge of things started to happen like I just felt myself like rapidly 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 sinking Mm -hmm. and like there's there's something that was just so life-giving about this journal entry from you know this diary entry from um Audrey Lorde and I think this is a it's in for so many reasons that I've already laid out um this is an extremely difficult moment and so this is such a concrete tool to like, this is like one tool that you always give us to put, you know, in our toolbox to help us really get through like a really difficult time. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking you on air, I really want to take some time out, sit down in the quiet by myself and like do, um, like do one of these prompts. Cause it's like, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but it's like, I've just been feeling so much anxiety and so much stress from everything that's going on. And it's like, just like hearing you read this entry and then like thinking about these questions, it felt like a grounding activity for me. Oh, I'm glad. So, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this petty part of me. It's like, bitch, you know, I've been out here struggling. You just had to wait and debut this for the mental moment. Okay. I see how you do <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's this is part of part of why I do it. Like we have very different roles in uh, the movement for Black Life, you know. But I'm yeah. I always I always think about you when I'm doing um, like the mental moment stuff. I'm like, I know Nikita is just like go 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 core organizer, bullhorn toter. So how do I like? How do I support? How do I provide? Um, yeah, mental first aid for folks who yeah. are doing that. Um, and Absolutely. I think I think one thing I've learned um, through learning from Black queer feminists of generations past, you know, Angela Davis said they didn't. It was there was no uh, self care. Talk about she, no care. She said wasn't nobody doing no care. What and the Black Panther? She was like, oh, you know, people would be like, oh, what you ate today? Oh, a Snickers. Oh, girl, that's good. No, it's not. It's not good, right? right? And, yeah. and so I think about like the physical care that has to happen, but also we can't be in the streets every day. That's gonna burn out. So like, what 
what can we do to like keep that momentum going? And one thing I think is to write it down and follow through. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like we we have to have um, record and... It, maybe it's a voice memo for you. Maybe it's drawing a picture, but yeah, um, you have to be documented. So your sign from the protest or your banner, right? Like keeping those things, like seeing the importance of holding on to things so that people can yeah. find you in the future. And so you can... Um, like celebrate and appreciate the the wins. That's just such an important Absolutely. point. Yeah. That's such an important part of organizing that I think just gets overlooked. And um, I I don't know. I guess because I've been so down. Like I haven't had like uh time to really like think through this. But we can experience traumatic things, and they don't have to become trauma for us. And I think. Mm. A thing that... Montenegro, say that shit one more again, please. Um, I'm like, wait a minute. What, what did I say? Oh, we can experience traumatic things and they don't have to become trauma. And What do you mean by that? I, what I mean... I said I hadn't had time to think through this, but what I mean by that is like... How I envision... Okay, I won't take it to me, right? There's like empirical evidence for... um specifically around uh like sexual assault like if the first person you tell believes you then you have so much more like built up resist um resilience for mm. like becoming a survivor right um and i see that in the same way as like like a lot of trauma like there there has to be like a window of opportunity where you can feel grounded you can feel safe, believed, um, affirmed in like that, that shit happened and it was fucked up and it should not have happened that in, instill some resilience in you so that it, you, it, that thing doesn't become a trigger or something that, um, like you carry in your body with you. Right. And I think, I love writing because it's such a proven way of like grounding and getting that shit out. And yeah, yeah. what an amazing feeling to go back and read like, damn, I went through that and look at me. And yeah. here I am on the other side of it. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you, Audrey, for writing it down. Um, yeah. For uh, let, allowing us to find you. Um, and for inspiring and being this mental moment. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. And now our leftist lesbian luminary l- labor lecture from Nikita. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> This segment, lovingly called The Word for short, is the segment in which Nikita breaks down some social justice jargon, um, gives us a a temperature check of the movement, um, tells us something that we need to have on our radar as queer folks of color, and truly just uh, educates us all and makes me feel 
like such an anti-capitalist baddie after. So I'm so <laughs> happy. That's what I come here to do. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're back because I could never do a word um, quite like you. So take it away, Nix. All right. So um, I feel like if there's, if not every episode, there's certainly like every other episode. I feel like I'm talking about Mariam Kaba. So uh, for you, uh, if you're on Twitter, you might know her uh, at Prison Culture. And Miriam Kaba is, you know, we call Alexis Pauline Gums the high priestess of Queer Walk. I consider Miriam Kaba to be our patron saint of organizing because, yeah. I mean, ugh, I, just, I just, I can't say enough. I've never met her a day in my life. I have friends. I and comrades like who work with her and know her. I I don't know her. She wouldn't know me from a can of paint. And I just so I feel like I have become and so many people um, in my organizer community have become sharper and better organizers because I mean she's just I mean she's not only is she an a long time like decades long organizer. She's an educator a curator and just like her whole way of her whole Twitter presence is like, you can tell that she's like a serious person. She's not just, she's not somebody who just pontificates on this. Yeah. She, she's been doing this work right. for a long time. And you can tell that her analysis is like, it's not just, she's not just somebody who's like sat away and like, you know, read this stuff and just in theory outside of action, she's like actually doing the work and, you know, like so much of her analysis is obviously informed by the work that she does. And so a lot of the work that she does is around transformative justice, prison abolition, criminal injustice. And so like that's a lot of the work um, that she does. And she just shared on Twitter. I remembered reading it because I follow her like a hawk. Yeah, you do. It's like she, <laughs> she, she got something new that's dropping. You know, I'm a, usually I know about it. She reposted this article in the midst of everything that's going on. So I'm. What, I have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's from it's in this publication called The New Inquiry, and it's called Summer Heat. She wrote it in June of 2015, but so much of it, so much of it. I mean, it's, it's like she really could have written it today. And so I'm not going to get into the, um, the uh, like too many of the details. It's it's a very well written, just wonderful piece. And so she so she basically opens the piece talking about how she hates summer. Because she knows that this is the time when young people are going to be, young people of color, young black people are going to be even more subjected to hyper surveillance yeah. by the police. Yep. Right? Because it's mm -hmm. like, they're not in school. And it's like, you know, young in urban communities, it's like you're out of school. You're just doing kid, young folk shit. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And then so she adds in like some like historical um, context and stuff like that. But and it's, it's just, and you know, so... And again, think about like summer heat. So she's talking about like, you know, this is when like cities are often, you know, ex I mean, she like opens talking about how the police are like explosive and attack us. But then like also because that's happening, then there's also, as we see right now, there's these like rebellions and these uprisings. But so I revisited um, this piece today and I think that everybody um, should uh, read it. It's not that long, but... The thing that I, there's just these, she has these 10 basically like demands that people who are organizing um, should be thinking about. Because as Miriam Cobb is absolutely a prison abolitionist. And I think mm -hmm. that 
And so one of the ways I just, I feel like I've learned so much from her is that it's like we have to, you know, to think about, because I think people who listen to this program, and I think a lot of people across the country are like, I think people are saying fuck the police and they mean it. Like, I mm-hmm. think, um, I think I've seen a sea change in how people think and talk about police. And you think about the level of violence that we're seeing nationally. Yeah. It's like people are protesting police violence and you've got militarized police shooting tear gas, shooting rubber bullets. It's like rubber bullets aren't safe. Like they, they do horrific levels of damage. damage. And it's like the sheer carnage and terror that the police are metting out. Um, like this isn't, this isn't some aberration, right? This is what the police and society are meant to do. And it's like, this is why we have to get rid of police. And I think it's really hard. I think there's a lot of people who are like really on board with that demand, but it feels like who are uh, not even that demand, but that like concept, but it's like really hard for us to imagine how we get there. And so I love this because in this piece, you know, she lays out like 10 intermediate steps, you know, we can use to shrink um, this is, I would, I just read it directly what she says. So she's like, on the way to abolition, we can take a number of intermediate steps to shrink the police force and to restructure our relationships with each other. Hmm. Because that's, you know, that's yes. really what it's about. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to read these, uh, 10, um, real quick. Um, so, and I'm just going to kind of, I'll try to bring in some, cause I've been organizing around this. Um, off and off for like the last uh, few years here. So I could just bring it to like some of my own like experiences. So the first one is organizing for a dramatic decrease of police budgets and redirecting those funds to other social goods. So like defunding the police. Or I think to use the language from, you know, what we've we've learned from our brothers and sisters and siblings and the BDS boycott, boycott, divest and sanctions movement, BDS in terms of like the Palestinian liberation, we want to divest from, you know, oppressive forces like the police and invest in things yeah. um, like housing, right? Yeah. And actual yeah. mental health, you know, counselors, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because police be doing all kinds of shit that that's not, they shouldn't be doing, right? Yep, so yep. it's like if we actually took away the money from the police and mm-hmm. invested that, think about what our communities could look like. Exactly. I was just, I was just on a call tonight. And I learned that here in Syracuse, uh, about it's, it's like a fifth of our uh, city's budget goes towards police, and so it's like a little over twenty uh, percent. And that doesn't include the number of lawsuits that end up getting paid out, but because the police uh, terrorize, murder, sexually assault, and yep. harm people yeah, in yeah. other ways. Yeah, and so. And, and this, it, this is something that really burns my hide because we live in Syracuse. It's one that has one of the highest rates of poverty yep. in the nation. You just drive around Syracuse, there's boarded up homes. Mm-hmm. You see homeless people or houseless uh, people all across the city. But yet we could, and in the, so there's been a slew of actions and protests and rallies here. And like there's been police in Humvees and yep. military grade gear. Yeah. And I'm like, you mean to tell me? I have to, on my drive, I see all kinds of houseless people. I see boarded up homes. There's yeah. no money for that. Yeah. But the police can have military-grade weapons. Yeah. You know, that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, the they, second thing they, she raises... They, go ri- ahead. Sorry, I'm just thinking, like, they ride around the city looking like characters out of a video game. The, how Absolutely. suited up Absolutely. they be. And the streets are shit. 
Like it's like a roller coaster Garbage. driving here. Garbage. Because it snows Absolutely. so much and the salt and stuff. And it's like this, this city really could use that money. It's a city um, that desperately needs the money. Desperately needs it, right. And um, so ending cash bail, that's what... I'm not going to talk too much about that because there's been a lot of headway being made yeah. um, on that demand. I, I know here in New York State, uh, there's an organization. I'm going to put a link to them because it's a local organization. And it's like, I think it's really important to highlight work, especially happening in small places like Syracuse, but there's a really great organization called Unchained, and they've done a lot of work here uh, locally. It's a statewide effort to like end cash bail, so that was a, as a that was a success uh, here um, in our state, and that's a local organization, Unchained, and you could read more about what they do. Um, so I'll put that um, overturning the police uh, bill of rights, and I didn't know too much um, about that, but. Basically, the way that I understand it is that, um, so I, I won't get in, I won't get nailed in, um, to the bog down in the details because I, I, I can't pretend that I know a whole bunch about it. Uh, but in the article that Miriam Cobber wrote, she links to another article from, um, somebody who wrote, uh, wrote an article for the New York Times talking about like the police bill of rights in Maryland. And basically the way that I understand it is that, you know, police don't get treated like any other suspects. Right. right? So they have this bill right. of rights that basically yeah. protects them, you know, when they harm, you know, maim, abuse, yes. and, and kill people. Just for, like, one example, it's like, but, so if they do cause harm, like, they have, like, 10 days before they have to say anything to anybody. But meanwhile, and, like, this is an example from the New York Times article, they say within, um, you know, within, like, the first 24 hours, if somebody is accused of a crime, the, the cops you know, put that person in a room and, you know, go into asking them a barrage of questions, but that doesn't, that doesn't happen with the to police. Yeah. And we see it like, right. you know, we'll be like, it's been a week. Why haven't they been arrested? It's like, exactly. This is why. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Cause they have 10 days to make their story up. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is abolishing police unions. I want to get into this cause y'all know I'm a labor ass bitch. And um, I, I don't have time to get into it here. I want to do this in a later on episode. But because of the role that police play in society, they, they have an intrinsically or an inherently reactionary role. Meaning there's mm-hmm. never any if there's if there's justice on one side, police are historically and currently always going to be on the wrong side of it. Right. And so police, a police union isn't like a union. Police aren't workers like any other Thank worker you. in society. Come on, Nikita. They are, an, they are an arm of the state and right. their whole function and purpose is to protect and further the interests of the state and that is exactly what their union does. Right, right. And so it's not a union like any any other uh, workers. And I want to give, I'm going to give a, a real live concrete example of, um, of why that's the case. So one of the things that I've learned about uh, locally is that so one of the things that we see is that every time police, you know, commit these heinous acts of terror and murder, um, they rarely ever face any kind of discipline for it. And so, um, excuse me, in their collective bargaining agreement, and the collective bargaining agreement is basically the, the agreement that the police have with the cities, you know, that they work, you know, and the city is technically uh, their employer, right? So it's like, 
one of the things that's often outlined in their um, collective bargaining agreements from their union is dis discipline. So I learned tonight uh, from some other folks in, uh, in Syracuse that the reason why it's hard to get some any kind of independent entity to be able to uh, discipline cops is because they it's it's essentially in uh, their collective bargaining agreement in their in their the contract that they have with the union that basically discipline has to stay internal and that's something that's again written out in their collective bargaining agreement for the union. So there's like citizens review, review boards, community review, mm -hmm. review boards all across the country. But a lot of times these entities and these organizations are completely and utterly weak because they have no real power, power. to actually yeah. discipline cops. And again, to tie this point about why it's important to abolish police unions, because if you didn't have a police union, then, you know, going back to my example, there would be no collective bargaining agreement to say to, so they are in control of their disciplines. Like we could take right. that out of their. Um, that's just one example of what we could take right. um, out of their purview if they if we got rid of the police union. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the next thing she talks about is the crowding out police in our communities, and she she links to this really amazing article. Um, and you could I'm not going to link to the article that she links to because it's in the piece. But so she. Um, so this, in the article that she links to, it's talking about this idea for a no-cop zone. So there's this um, group in the Bronx called Take Back the Bronx. So in 2011, um, they formed um, members of Take Back the Bronx. So for like a day or so, they would put up these signs in like really, really uh, heavily policed areas and let the police know that they weren't welcome in those areas. And then it's, and it's also, it serves as a political tool and an educational tool because they were trying to make, they were also trying to get residents who lived in those hyper-policed areas, you know, to walk around and to try to, you know, with, you know, with their support, they're, they're not encouraging people to do it by themselves, but like let people kind of like take back their streets. Exactly. You know? like, yeah. So they created like a black party like atmosphere where exactly. people could feel like they could actually yeah. like be in their community. And another key, what I was saying about political education is one of the other things that they also did was that trying to raise consciousness amongst the neighbors about how to resolve conflicts without the police. Because I know that this is something that I've seen in my, um, that I've run across in like organizing where it's like, you know, people have disagreements with one another. It could be, it could be a real petty disagreement. Right, right. You know, something over like, you know, your something is in my yard or I yeah. got beef with you. And then they call the police and it's yeah. like. That just escalates. And then what ends up, and what ends up happening is that, yeah, that's just like two people, two marginalized, oppressed and exploited people who are now going to have to interface with the police. And so it's mm -hmm. like. Trying to get people, you know, to think creatively about what's another way that we could resolve the police, uh, resolve issues without the police. So I love this idea of like a, a no cop zone, yeah. right? So not just like creating the black like atmosphere, like the black party like atmosphere, but you know, encouraging people to like to call on the police like as less you know, as little as possible, right? You know? Right? Yeah. Um, number six, disarm the police. I mean, that's a. I mean. What else is there Obviously. to say about that? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and like in the the UK, the uh, the the cops don't have guns, and it's like imagine because one of the things that people always say is, "Oh, police need better training." It's like, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's out of the window. I mean, mm -hmm. what? And Miriam Kaba on another blog, 
like she mentions, like the, this is kind of a tangent, but like the whole problem with the calling for more training is that that just, you know, you think about her first d- demand that she let up defund, defunding the police, mm-hmm. calling for more training just gives the cops more, more money, money to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that isn't, that isn't it push them to act. That's not a concrete way to get them to actually reduce harm, mm-hmm. but disarming them. It's like, you don't, it, it's not enough training in the world to get you to stop shooting somebody if you're always going to have access to a gun. Right, right. And, yeah. like, disarming them would, like, force them. Like, it would force them to have to interact with people differently. Yeah. Like, you can't, you know, you can't shoot people if you don't have a weapon. Exactly, yeah. Um, this kind of goes back to the example number seven of the Take Back the Bronx example. So creating abolitionist messages that penetrate public consciousness to disrupt the idea that cops equal safety... You know, and so I think that there's a lot of really good, um, um, like, organizing that I think, like, people are doing. Like, I remember mm-hmm. I saw this example, I think, in Oregon, where uh, this is going to tie in. So I'm just going to read number eight, because I think it goes along with this. So building community-based interventions that address harms without relying on police. And I think that that, to me, the reason why I see that going, like, in sync with creating abolitionist messages, because I think... The main thing that we always get when people say, well, what are we going to do if we don't have the police? So it's like as abolitionists and as like people who want to d- dismantle um, the police, it's, like, it's not just about what to dis- how, what are we going to do to dismantle it, but what are we going to replace it with? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that has everything to do with um, imagination. Imagination, right. You know? Yeah. And so to, get, to go on the community-based um, intervention, so it's like, so a lot of people say, oh, like going back to the idea of training, well, more police need to be able to be able to respond to mental health calls. Like when people are in mental health crisis and it's like, or police no, just don't. don't need to be doing that work. They don't need to do it. Right. Right. And so the yeah. example that I was going to give in um, Oregon is that there was like a mobile crisis team of like trained uh, folks. Um, and then those were the people it, it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with the police department. And, like, those were the folks that would go out to respond to calls. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like we have to fundamentally rethink the role of police in society. Because yeah. too often the police are just doing shit that they have no business doing. Right. And so we want right. to, in order to get rid of them, it's like we just, we don't need to teach them how to do shit that they don't need to be doing. We need to fund and support people to do, exactly. the, to do, to do the actual caring of our communities. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and the last, and just kind of like the last two points, you know, I'll just read the last, the last one. She says, think through the end of the police and imagine alternatives. And I think Mm. that's, again, that's kind of an example um, of that. So I just feel like in this, in this moment where it's, um, you know, I, I just, and again, I just feel like there's been quite a shift because I remember so much of the conversation when, um, you know, when, unfortunately, when Mike Brown was murdered, there were so many people that were calling on body cams and training and like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, it's not yep. to say that that stuff is not still a part of the conversation, but it doesn't, it's not, from my view... It's not at the forefront. Especially, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that that's not at the forefront. And I'm in this Facebook group locally, um, and some this guy posted this tweet in the Facebook group where he, he just captured it, agree or disagree. And somebody was like, they were like, if you're at these protests, they were like, you better not, you better not be hugging. You better not allow police to hug you. You better not be kneeling with these motherfuckers. They were just, you know, they were just like, you know, the police are garbage. 
And it was like, it had like a hundred comments. And so many of the comments on the post were like, I agree with that. That's fucking right. Yeah. You bet. And it's, and they're like, and somebody, you know, if there's a few people that were like, oh, well, you know, we have to be nice. But like overwhelmingly, yeah. the comments from people were like, you know, fuck that. We're done with that. And I think, I think something we see across the country is something that we're definitely seeing here is that it's not a coincidence to me that so many of these protests are being run by extremely, like, really young people. Yes, yeah. Like, like we're working, like, our local chapter of BLM is working with, I mean, fucking high school students, and these kids yeah. are sharp. Yeah. Excuse me, these kids are sharp. But I was thinking about it, and you think about, I mean, if you're 15, 16 years old, I mean, oh Trayvon gosh. Martin that was, was murdered, yeah. uh, sadly, by George Zimmerman tw- almost eight years ago. Yeah. So yeah. it's like... So, so for the last yeah. eight years mm-hmm. of your life, you've seen not just this horrific spate of young people who look like you be ruthlessly shot yeah. down, people who look like yeah. you, your grandma, like you said, your cousin. Yeah. But you you see these these officers never get away. They you, they always get away with that. Yeah. And I think as so many people have said, like I think on, on a lot of levels that explains the militancy of these actions because I think young people have fucking had They've it. They've had it. Yeah. They have had yeah. it. And and have also and so, had it. Ahead. I think and have also had it with like the the moderate like response from older people. Um, yes, because yes. it's like I just think about like young people have led like like they make major gains in movements for like gun control, um, environmental sustainability movements, and and like older people just shut the shit down. They just um, yeah. like completely squish their movements, and um, young people are done with that. And and going back over it. going back to what you said about imagination. They also are um, like young enough to still imagine a world without it, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Montanique, Montanique. I've, I've just, for so many reasons, I feel like I have felt so burnt out and just mm-hmm. so not excited about organizing. But these, these kids that we are talking, I mean, I am just blown yeah. away by them, yeah. and like I have never. I cannot remember the last time that I, it's like, I'm so tired after being on a million calls in an, on a night, but like, it's not like, Oh my God, dragging dejected. It's like, I'm tired, but I'm like extremely, extremely hopeful. And I'm just feeling like so energetic. And I'm just, I just feel like I personally owe a great debt, you know, um, to these young folks here, like locally, um, not just like here in Syracuse, but like all across, not even just the country, but I saw these huge protests in like Amsterdam and London. Yeah, so, like, yeah. Young folks all across the world mm-hmm, right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you don't have Twitter, get get on there and follow. If nobody, if you don't follow anybody else, at Prison Culture, Miriam Kaba, and uh, again, we're gonna post this article in the show notes. In the show notes, Summer Heat, and just. It, Really, like, take a look at it and follow her. She's got so many amazing uh, resources. So if you're somebody who's like, I want to get involved, but I don't know how, yeah. just if you go to her, like, Twitter page, she always has very, very concrete ideas and steps and resources to, like, help you, like, in conjunction with others to, like, make meaningful, like, 
change like in mm-hmm. your community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's that thank you as always so much for this because um I think when people hear prison abolition it sounds like big and pie this, in the sky yeah and this broke it down gave us like a step by step and it's things we can be doing right now like print that photo of that police precinct engulfed in flames and just like frame oh it. my god frame it. yeah 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 that, I want the. I should just get that tattooed on my body. Me too. I was thinking, you know, it's Pride Month, so I was I was thinking about Sylvia Rivera when she was like, you know, a lot of people think I was the one who threw the first, you know, blow at someone. She was like, it wasn't me. But when I saw it happen, I was like, oh, the revolution is here, bitch. <laughs> right? And right, that's right. exactly how I feel. I'm like, y'all burning down police precincts. The revolution is here. Yeah. It's here. Right. The big black boot of freedom is mashing down your doorstep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where to where to bring that back? All righty. <sighs> okay, Nikita. Yeah. So, uh, let's just do topic and curve chronicles together. So, together. Yeah. yeah. The topic is the segment where we talk about everything that doesn't fit into our other segments, and yep. the curve chronicles segment is where we talk about our dating woes and wins and your dating woes and wins as queer folks yep. of color. What have you been up to, Nikita? Uh, I was working a whole bunch. Um, it was really strange because it's like, so I'm in the trades and so most of the, you know, most of my coworkers are like, oh, white dudes mm-hmm. or just white dudes. But I actually had like a really good crew um, on this last job mm-hmm. and... Like, that, like, we just had, like, a lot of fun and some, like, really interesting, like, political discussions, actually. Um, and it was, like, like, it sounds kind of ridiculous because, like, I mean, work is work, but, like, it, like, it, I mean, it, we had a lot of, like, PPE, like, personal protective equipment. I mean, everybody, of course, you know, I, I was on, like, pins and needles because I was, like, I hope nobody... Uh, gets it but it was just like like being like with people mm-hmm. e- even like this fucking group of people um, like that was like actually like a lot of fun for me like and I had a lot of like I had a lot of fun it was just like a really kind of strange group um, of people like one of my co-workers uh, this dude from the south but apparently he's got some like radical revolutionary like latin american feminist wife Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um that was funny i overheard these two guys uh when these you know when those uh white supremacist reactionaries stormed the capital yeah of michigan at michigan i over i walked up on these two white guys talking about that at work and somebody was like he was like, yeah. He's like, I know this is bad. He's like, I just fucking hope they all get it. He's like, I hope they all get it. He's like, we just don't even need those people like that in our society. We don't. He's like, fuck them. He's like, fuck them. <laughs> and then the other guy was like, he's like, you saw him screaming in that police officer's face? And he's like, you know those m- motherfuckers only like police when they're shooting black people anyway. And I was just wow. like. Wow. I'm like, this is just like two older white guys. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I know this is terrible. He's like, he's like, fuck them. He's like, I just want them all to die. <laughs> and they were just like, and they were basically like, yeah, like these these are racist, awful pieces of shit. Yeah. So I was like, 
I was like, what y'all talk about? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in a lot of, in like in a really kind of like bizarre way, it kind of felt, it was like good, especially in a time when so many people were struggling with like isolation. It was like, even in this like, kind of like bizarre like group of people like like I had a really good time and it was just nice like those are the only people like I was around it was like my you know my co-workers yeah yeah so like I, I'm glad that it, that was a good group me too um, yeah I had a lot of fun there's this country dude who was teasing me I, I feel like you put something out in the universe and it's like I've never I think I was talking about this with uh, one of our friends it's like it's so funny I've never thought about myself as a short person like I don't see myself like, it's not something I, like, think about. Yes. Until you started teasing me about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all these people at my job, like, tease me because I'm short. Mm-hmm. So they had, there was this country dude who I really liked and really got along with. And I was trying to reach for something. I was, like, on my tippy toes, and I couldn't reach it. And he was like, he's like, I don't even know why they let your little short ass in here. He's like, you can't reach a goddamn thing. <laughs> I don't even know why they, he's like, I don't even let, know why they let your little ass up in here. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you sound just like uh, my best friend. I worked at three. So we travel for work because we did, we work at different plants, you know, doing work on different kinds of equipment. So I worked on three jobs uh, this spring. And there's a one guy who worked with me on three jobs, like all three jobs that I was on. So mm-hmm. I saw him on this last job, this third job. And he's like, what do you know? He's like, hey, short stack. And I was like, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Money. What? Uh-huh. Tacoma bound baddie. Well, what you is, weren't done catching us your... up. Like I've been talking to I... people. Everybody know what's going on with me. Do they, I don't think they know about they don't, this but huge Continue. Bitch. I want keep telling us what you've been up to. No, I want to hear. I I need you to uh, say that. Talk about this because oh. this is something that's happening to me too. It is happening to you too. But come on, whore. I want to hear more about what you've been up to. <laughs> Oh my God, slut shaming! <laughs> oh my I didn't God, say it I guess bad. that's what. Okay, here's something. Is it? I mean, I'm sure other people are struggling with this. I want to be a whore. My my loins feel like they are inflamed, about as inflamed as that police station. <laughs> I feel summer I just, heat in a I different way. <laughs> summer heat in a different way. I think it's. I feel like there's something that's like childish about it where it's like, I can't, like, I can't go out and have any kind of like, you know, f- well, I mean, I guess I could, but I'm choosing not to out of, you know, safety. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I just, I feel like I don't, you know, I get very coquettish on the podcast. Yeah, I'm like, you do. I'm like, I need my back blown out. <laughs> Wait, how, do I, how long is this going to last? I'm just like, oh my word. This is, so funny. I feel like I feel like we are um like a real life version of like a freaky Friday because um I think <laughs> I wanna blow somebody's back out. But if like yeah. people looked at us, they would think the reverse. It was switched. Yeah. yeah, I just want it I, I just want it decimated. I just want it eviscerated. Up. Yeah. You know. What's that kitchen tool you use to grind stuff up? A mortar and pestle? I just want somebody to do that to my guts. Oh, my God, you have to take that out. That's just too nasty. That's, you okay, want somebody that's, to that's mortar disgusting. and pestle, yo? 
Yeah, I, I just want to be mortared and pestled. Mortar just... and pestled a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> And again, I feel like it's. I feel like it's just a very. I think it's just a simple fact that I can't, can't have it. Yeah. So I'm just like, Whoo. yeah. I'm just like been revved up and ready to go. <laughs> oh I mean, they say if you want something done right, uh, do it yourself. I mean, it's it doesn't hit the same. It's not the same. It just does it's not, not the, hit same. the same. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm just. I'm not even. I feel like I don't even want to have sex after the pandemic because I just feel like. I mean, it'd probably be like I'll probably make some kind of Guinness World Record of like quickest, quickest orgasm. I'll be like, oh. <laughs> it'll be. It'll be over. Yeah. Um. So that's happening. And again, you all have had a had a. Oh, forgive the phrase, but you all have had a leg up on me. So you all are, you know. No. Everybody else has like settled into this. No, I think I missed the window. So I was doing a lot of the uh, like, I won't say a lot. I was just like, I did uh, one of the cyber dating events and stuff. Um, I went to a couple Zoom parties. um, But I think I missed the window of people finding like their quarantine bay. Bay? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know. I just been out here twiddling my thumbs. What does that mean? Pressing your button? Uh, no, oh. actually, have not been doing that. Oh. It it gets boring okay. after a while, unless somebody has some tips on how to spice up uh uh having solo sex, masturbation. Yeah, it just yeah. it gets boring. It's like oh, same stuff. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So am I. So is Blanche. And then you just go to sleep. Sad and yeah. depressed. Yeah. Ashamed. Yeah. Looking at your left. <laughs> Looking at your left hand like, what have we done? And just go ahead. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. So that is what I, I do this. I go through like waves. Yeah. There is that point where you're like, wow, this just actually feels Incredibly depressing yeah, and sad. It feels sad. Yeah. yeah. I, what have I been up to? You, please, pl- I'm like waiting with bated breath. Please tell them why you're the Tacoma, Tacoma bound baddie. Well, I'll get to that. Um, oh <laughs> okay. Uh, so I am the Tacoma bound baddie because um, your girl. Me, in case you didn't know, Montanique, um, is going to be a professor at Pacific Lutheran University next year. So, shout out to all my folks in Washington State, because I will be coming your way. Um, oh, and she... Okay. <laughs> Nikita, we are still I'm gonna physically try to, distancing, I'm gonna try okay? To, I'm going to try to simmer down, because... Uh, no, um, and, and like all jokes aside, I really am like so thankful that I got a job, uh, right now with like everything going on. And, um, it's, it's just like the best case scenario to graduate with a job. And I know that that keeps becoming like less and less of a reality for folks. So I'm just, I'm just like so thankful. And also that I'm going to a program that has been on my radar and that I've admired, um, that I'm going to be working 
there. Yeah. And teaching and being I'm um, an adult. I'm so proud. So proud. Thank you, Nikita. Um, I'm very nervous. Uh, of course, of course. I think I have, I have said so many times on this podcast how much I don't like the West Coast, and the West Coast was like, "Hold my drink." And, <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, really? Uh, oh, really, bitch? Okay, okay, girl." Yeah. Um. So it's gonna be an adjustment for me because I love the East Coast. I'm an East Coast girl. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm gonna be out there in Washington State, not DC. Whew. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like bittersweet. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing we learned how to do this uh, recording remotely. Yeah. And now, I don't know if you all listened to um, earlier episodes, but I feel like this is awesome. There's a, the small benefit of this is that money can like can talk about time zones as much as she wants now. You know what? Because we're going to be in two. We're going to be in two different you know time what? zones. You know what? <laughs> you lucky you over there. I will pop you in your shit right now. But um, how yeah. feminist of you? <laughs> how very feminist of you? Actually. <laughs> I am a feminist. Um, <laughs> a black, that's going to pop me in my mouth? A black feminist. Yes. That's the emphasis on the black part. <laughs> Violence? Let me stop. Um, no, self-preservation. Oh, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. The unmitigated goal. See, you talk like Frazier, but you... Uh, Talk about revoke my PhD. Okay. Because I'm old. That's why I talk like this. I'm old too. No, not like me. I have a anyway, I have like I'm a so real excited. job now. I'm so excited for you, but I don't think it has like I'm probably gonna be a mess. Like it hasn't like set in yeah. that like we're not gonna be like I can't First of all, you're going to have a real job, so I can't call you 18 times. Well, I mean, I could call you 18 times a day, but you're not going to be able to pick up. Yeah. But also, like, there's just so many times when, like, we just, like, go and, like, sit on each other's couch. Yeah. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, like you know, that's going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've never even been to Washington, so it's going to be, like, completely creating a community for myself. New community? Yeah. yeah. In a very hard time, like, COVID-19, um, revolution, yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah. in the middle of all of this, uh, yeah, um, but I, I mean, it's, it's obviously not going to be the same as living in the same city as you, and all my people are on the East yeah. Coast, so. I mean, we're, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not worried now. Like I said, I'm I'm sure when you move, I'll probably be I'll probably be really despondent, laid out on my floors, yeah, crying every night. Yeah, you will. <laughs> I mean, it's the only way to acknowledge my absence in your life. That yeah, it's it's gonna be like a crater, a canyon. Yeah, a void. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you've really been like. Montanique, you said this the other day. I don't remember what we were talking about, but we've known each other for almost a decade. It's been, yeah, it's almost 10 years. Yeah. Oh my, I can't believe that. I cannot believe that. Yeah, yeah. 
You've been oh such a huge part of me growing up, um, like politically, but also as a friend. And so I'm really going to miss that. And I don't want to talk about it. Right now, I'm like, I'm, I think it's just because I'm excited to be back on the show and um, yeah. I'm kind of like riding the high off of working with these young folks and I'm just so excited for you that yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm oddly, I'm not a particular, I'm not like a deeply pessimistic person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm not an overly optimistic one, but excuse me, like I have no doubt that, you know, we'll figure this out. Cause yeah. like, I mean, to, like what you just said, it's like we've built something here that's like really durable and long lasting and deep. So you know, we are. You know, it's so funny because it's. I mean, I don't want to get into this, but I'm not really. I mean, y'all gonna have to. Maybe somebody gonna have to help me. It's like I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, we need to be expanding. You know, blurring the lines between like friendships and romance. Like I'm not. I'm not really. I'm one. not. One I, of those I know. I'm a. Either. I'm like I know that I'm like a compartmentalizing um, person, but I do feel like something I have thought about a shift is like, like what it means to because I think we often talk about being committed in terms of like romantic relationships, but it's like, you know, we have an investment and a commitment to one another. So because of that, it's like I'm not like our our friendship is easily like we're gonna be fine. It's gonna be different, you know. That I think it's gonna be hard. It's probably, you know, I think it's good to be honest about that, but we've built mm-hmm. something that's really, like, with, like, a really good foundation, and we love and we care about each other deeply. And so it's, like, you know, we're going to find new ways to, like, invest and, like, keep keep our friendship going. Yeah, and kiki with each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, we've had to do it through uh, physical distancing and coronavirus. Yeah, like, I, yeah absolutely. I didn't, I didn't see, see you. For a month at a time. It's like yeah, four weeks would go by, then you would stop by and we would go on a social distant walk. And then yep. another four weeks go by. So, you know, this has kind of like prepared us for it. A prep, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yes, we will be doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure people are like, so, uh, you know, that's all well and good, but what does that mean? Exactly, for <laughs> exactly. Um, no, it's just... Uh, I mean, just like we doing now. You at your house, I'm at my house. We yeah. can still do it. Yeah. Yeah. In different time zones. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You know, one night when I was like spiraling on my couch, I really thought about this. I was like, how is it that me and Nikita have never like kind of like been attracted to the same girl? You know, That's, had this. I was it's like. That. It's, it's never not, happened. It's never happened. And there's only like seven <laughs> of us in Syracuse. But and it, sh- it should have been some kind of overlap. Overlap. But but even if we're both attracted to the same person, that person is not attracted to both of us. The both of us. Yes, right. there, there yeah. it is. There it is. Yeah. yeah. That is so strange. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, I, I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Um, well, you dodged a bullet with Tinder because, girl, I, yeah, it's you. You think you think a a person is cute, and then you read the bio, and it's like me and my husband are looking for. It. You read the bio that's probably nine times out of ten not even there. Not even there. Ask or me. just hostile. 
Remember that bio yeah. I read you the other day? <laughs> what, what did that person say? Uh, what was Don't that? even bother. If you go, I'm just like, what? Yeah. What the fuck? Are, yeah. Nothing about that sounds inviting, boo. Don't even bother. I don't message first. If you can't have a conversation, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Let me go ahead and hit that heart. Nobody's gonna right. <laughs> Nobody. People are like, ooh, dodge that bullet. <laughs> so uh, it's so funny because somebody I was messaging with, they were like, so, like, what made you? They were like, what compelled you to like download the apps? Because I told them I was like, I've never, I was like, I've never ever used them. And I was like, you know what? I was like, we live in a, we're living in an unprecedented moment. So I was like, yeah. I decided to be unprecedented and unorthodox too. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you listen to the show, I've been like, I'm just not into yeah, the apps. And it's also connected to what we were just talking about. Because something else I told them, I was like, um, I was like, you know, you know, my, like a huge rock in my life is leaving. You know, like you're like an anchor mm-hmm. for me. So I'm like, mm-hmm. like I, I like I've, you know, I, I want to find and meet like new folks. I mean, nobody's going to compare, but doesn't, I was about to say. doesn't mean I have to foreclose opportunities. I'm a bad bitch. She's a savage. No comparison here. Come that's, on. That's why I fuck with you, bitch. That's why. <laughs> that was, that was, we got to end right on that note. Cause you just cinched it all right together. Right there. That was I mean, yeah. y'all can try. I mean, Nikita needs friends while I'm gone. But just know. Come on. Right. It's, it's the stallion. And the bee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, like, obsessed. Still obsessed with that song. It came I know out you're how obsessed long ago? with it. Uh, like a few weeks, you still, you it's still relevant. I'm just shocked that you know a rap song that came out this year. Yeah, I'm proud. So, okay, but wait, okay. I just wanted to read a tweet because you weren't here. But uh, last episode, we had a letter from Calendula who wanted to know what to do with a strap that you don't want. Have you ever had to dispose of a strap, Nikita? Am I extra when I cut it up and throw it away? But that's if it's used. How have you disposed of a strap? Why would you cut it up? You just toss it. You throw it away. I cut it up because I'm. I was like paranoid that somebody would be like, "Is that a dick?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just just wrap it in something and toss it out. Okay, so you aren't as extra as me. I think also I was like curious and I was like, huh, can I cut this up? Oh, this is fun. Um, Hashtag crafty. Okay, so so it was like it was a brand new strap that Calendula was trying to uh, get rid of. And um, you just wait, well, well, you're going (laughs) to toss out a new strap. Exactly. So Ari in the hashtag said um, to Calendula. Keep the dick. Yeah. They are expensive. Yeah, they are expensive. That was my first. So you can't just be throwing away money like that. <laughs> Keep it. You never know when it will be of great use. Yeah. Uh, and then like some emojis. But you said it was really big. So if that's not your thing, then maybe re-gift it to a friend. Yeah. Especially exactly what used. I said. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was brand new. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, this uh, <laughs> this uh, kind of went off the <laughs> the wheels at the end, but that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this is Money D Stallion and <laughs> and Little Keith. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, and you just listened to Queer Rock the podcast. Don't forget if you like something from this episode, hit us up on all the things at Queer Rock Pod and use the hashtag Queer W O C. Is that a show? Happy Pride. <laughs>